Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Thursday edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I am your genial host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And we, of course, want to welcome you to Winners and Winers Radio. Here's the deal. You give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. Sound like a fair trade? All right. Good enough. Scott, how'd your day go? Overall, pretty uneventful. Ended up losing the only play that I had, but I've been kind of pacing myself to save some of my bankroll for the other sport that's going to be joining us for Thursday's card. A little bit of theme music coming in. Yep. I thought you were going to talk about the equestrian finals in the Olympics, but I guess you're talking about the NFL, huh? I was talking about the NFL. Uh, that wasn't the... I was expecting some Carrie Underwood vocals, which I did not get from you, but maybe next time. <laughs> I'm saving it all up for Thursday night. Now, I'll, I'll work on that. I'll get, I'll get one written. So it is good to have you guys along. We are going to be talking a little NFL. We're going to be talking a little Major League Baseball. Of course, we'll be doling out the golden feed bag for the winner of Donkey of the Day. And we will have our Bet the Farm play available for you guys where we put our heads together and come up with our very favorite play of the day. We uh, had another no-sweat win yesterday for Bet the Farm, so we'll talk about that after a little bit. But Scott, let's start with a little uh, bad news for some of the folks that might have had these bets. These are the ones where you thought you had that victory, and all of a sudden... It was snatched away from you at the last minute. It was horrible, horrible. All you could do is curse, tear up your ticket, and then call the cops. All right, Scott, let's start off in the major leagues. No big shocker there. And this is going to be the Cincinnati Reds on the run line, minus one and a half. If you were had the Reds, you were in great shape after seven innings. They led six to one. All they have to do is bring in that lights-out Reds bull... Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's not over yet. And it certainly wasn't. Here comes the bullpen. There goes the runs. The Twins scored four runs in the eighth inning. Not enough to tie and send it to extras where we might have a shot to take care of business. Just enough to beat us on the run line. Reds couldn't score in the ninth. The final ends up 6-5. to five. That is... Not enough if you had the run line. And if you had the Reds on the run line, you were getting a nice price right until you took it in the shorts. Call the Cubs. And the second bad beat was between the Cubs and the Rockies. If you had the Rockies' first five money line, you were in very good shape. Up two to nothing through the first four innings. Then the Cubs had bases loaded with two outs in the top of the fifth. You just need one more out. One more out. Long fly ball to the warning track. Right in his glove. Colorado. Colorado's outfielder makes a leaping grab. Oh, yeah. Catches the ball. Sure he does. Bangs into the wall. We win. And he dropped the ball. Oh. And they graded it as a hit, of course, with the outfielder on the ground. All three runs come around to score. Can't throw from the back. Come around to score. And the Cubs ended up leading three to two after five. So you were about maybe one second away from the catch rule playing a factor in your favor. But instead, it was ruled a hit. And the Cubs ended up leading after the first five. Couldn't even get it done so close yet so far. Can't throw the ball laying on your back. Ask Pat Mahomes. Yep, true. Well, Scott, let's finish it up with a little game from the West Coast. A little interleague battle, if you will, between the Padres and the Athletics. If you had the under eight there, that was a good solid pick, my friend. Padres led three to one after eight innings. A's had done nothing for almost the entire game. They saved it all up for the ninth inning, Scott. They scored two in the ninth. Goes to extra innings, tied three to three. You know what? It's not ideal. We still got a shot here. Padres score one in the in the top of the tenth. All right, that's a 4-3 lead. Just come out and shut them down. Surely you wouldn't blow two saves in the same game, would you? Well, of course you would, because you're the Padres' bullpen. They give up not one, but two runs in the bottom of the tenth. Take it to 5-4. That's over 9. That's a bad beat, and you should absolutely call the Cubs. Yeah, any time that you blow two saves in the same game, Padres' live line going into the bottom of the ninth was about minus 1,200. Yeah. So that's pretty brutal. Mark Melanson, been around for a long time, but he was definitely not good yesterday. Not good at all, Scott, and it's good to see that you and I, we don't talk about this enough, but you and I have developed an almost 100% lock, rock, solid strategy 
for playing sports, betting on sports, and being a successful sports gambler. Scott, what is that theory? It is taking whatever plays we gave out that lost the day before and just playing it the day after. Play it the day after. Absolutely. Yesterday we or the day before yesterday we had the Rockies Cubs first five under. That absolutely cashed yesterday. I had the uh, Milwaukee Brewers to cover the run line. Oh no, they lose outright to the Pirates on the day before yesterday. But yesterday, of course, they get a, a two-run victory to cover the run line. So, yeah, I'm saying. Pay attention to what we bet today and make sure you play it tomorrow. That's if we if we lose today. If we lose, that's right, because there's no way we're winning two in a row. That, that's not yeah. winning two in a row. So mm-hmm. yeah, whatever we lose, bet the house, bet the farm on, <laughs> on tomorrow's play. All right, Scott. Well, the opposite of the bad beats, the opposite of call the cops, these are the nice, easy wins. It's the ones that everybody wants to have. Maybe you got some. Maybe you got some early dinner plans. Maybe you don't want to sit around and watch the game all night. These are the kind of games you should be betting. Never a doubt. You had a winner from the beginning to the end. You were sitting in the rocking chair. So the first one was in a matchup between the Phillies and the Nationals, which I feel like we've talked about every single time they've played against each other. Yep. If you went over nine and a half, really easy. Seven runs in the first three innings. Two more runs in the fifth two more runs in the seventh. That's already 11 runs, but for fun, the bullpens continued to be awful, and you ended up with a 9-5 to five final. So if you had the over 9.5, never in doubt. Working 9-5, to five, you have just hit the over duty. Hey, Scott, how about the Royals? They're up there in Chicago. Man, if you had them on the money line, you were getting a nice price as they faced off against Lucas Giolito. Remember when he was good? Mm, good times. Uh, Royals, they had no respect for Mr. Giolito uh, yesterday evening. They led 5 to nothing after 3, 8 to 1 in the 7th inning, and ended up winning that one 9 to 1. If you had the Royals on the money line, you were catching somewhere around plus 185 to 190, and you could cash that ticket with ease because you were sitting in the rocking chair. And the last one wasn't a match between the Blue Jays and the Indians, and if you had the over nine half in that one it was very very easy because the blue jays ended up scoring eight runs in the first three innings so once you have that happen it'll take an extraordinary bad beat for you to lose luckily that did not happen it was almost brutal for blue jays run line betters because they gave up six unanswered runs and didn't score again but the game ended eight to six so you ended up having a nice and easy over never a doubt never a doubt for the run line, it was. For the over, it wasn't. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's And that's the best thing about betting the over is you can't lose in a bad beat. Yep. The once only you, way you, you could lose is a push loss if it gets, like, rained out or something. Right. Oh, oh, wait till, wait till that happens. It's happened a couple of times this season, and you and I are pretty apoplectic about it when that – so we absolutely go off because that's just a horrible, horrible rule. Mm-hmm. Well, Scott, this is my favorite time of the day. We get to find out – Who's strapping on the golden feed bag today? We have a lot of contestants, but I think there's one entity that was head and shoulders, or should I say hoofs? And oh man, I couldn't, I couldn't pull, I couldn't pull the word, Scott. It was gonna be, it was gonna be so good. But you know what I'm saying? It's all equine related. We're gonna find out who is donkey of the day. <laughs> All right. Sound effect and radio. Oh, absolutely. We we take a backseat to no one on our sound effects. You want to do the honors today? Scott, it's the Olympic time. And you know what the you you know what the United States Olympic team does really well? They run fast. They are usually a very dominant team in track and field. Of course, the shorter the distance, the better they do. They love to run the sprints. Now that Usain Bolt is retired, the United States actually has a chance in some of them. And they were running the 4 by 100 meter men's relay yesterday evening. And they were one of the betting favorites. And Scott, what did they do? They didn't even get out of their heat. They didn't even get out of the semis. They came in sixth in their semifinal heat. If you know how track and field works, they take the top three in each and then they take the two other fastest scores. Well, a quick check of the math there, Scott. If you finish sixth, you have zero chance of qualifying. Absolutely none. No chance. 
And that's exactly what happened to the USA relay team. They had a bad pass going uh, going two to three, I believe. Took an extra couple hundredths, a couple tenths of a second. And that made all the difference in the world at this level. You just can't make any mistakes. So they are our donkey of the day with a kind of an honorable feedback tossed into the coach, Scott, because they basically traded out most of the team. These guys hadn't run together for most of the season. They're running against other countries and other teams where the guys train all year, same guys. They do those passes till they can do them in their sleep blindfolded. And it made enough of a difference in that one where the USA just said, well, you know, we'll just plug in whatever fast guys we want and we'll dominate. And that was not the case at all as they just did a terrible job. So I never want to dwell too much on people you know, having a bad day or something like that. But when you have the expectations as high as our sprinters' expectations were, and they finished as badly, you know, you know if they finished third or something, Scott, well, they're not donkey of the day, right? They can't be, but when you come in sixth in your own heat, you finish behind China, yeah. China, Ghana, China won other it. countries yeah. that you are definitely betting favorites over. Yeah, we that's not good. We could take them in the parking lot afterwards, though. I know that after the race, to make matters worse, you had some of the runners who got interviewed by NBC because why would you interview the people who actually won the heat when you can interview Team USA? Yeah. And some other runners said that it was... That was some BS. That's exactly what he said. Which I don't even know what that means because it's your fault you couldn't hand the baton to each other. What was he complaining about? I'm not sure because they cut him off as soon as he said that. I, I did hear that, and I just heard, I know that he said that it was BS, but I don't know what he was referring to because no, he was in the relay was their own fault. He in basically I'm I'm going to paraphrase the interview they did with him, and I think it, it was the it's the kid that ran the opening. I think that's that's the young kid, right? That's the 17 year old that ran the first leg, right? I believe so, and he didn't mess up. So he was the one that was talking. He said, "You know what? I did my thing. Everybody else did a great job. You know, I don't know what happened." And then all of a sudden he goes, "Yeah, that was some BS." Like what? What? You I don't know? I don't know what was. You messed up the baton handoff. Right. No, it wasn't it wasn't him. It was the next guy, but yeah. No, but I'm yeah. saying in general, it wasn't like somebody tripped you or you went in somebody else went into your lane or anything. You just messed up the transfer. The sun was in my eyes. An old friend came in from out of town. I ran out of mm-hmm. gas. I swear to God, it wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. So, yep, there's the donkey of the day. Like we said, it's not it's not because they didn't win. We realize you're competing against elite athletes from every other country in the world. Some of them are going to have better days. It was just the casual approach of just plug and play anybody with no form of just, I'd say, chemistry between the guys, followed by the post-race interview, where it seems like you're half-blaming external forces, but you have no other forces to blame. It just seemed really weird. Totally agree. You know... And speaking of that, the donkey of the day was almost the day before was the kid who ran the four hundred and let and let up at the end. He 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 let it and he, you know they they tell him to take their foot off the gas because apparently you you say you know you save energy for the next race mm-hmm. or whatever. So he took his foot off the gas with about ten yards left. Had two guys closing in on him. They both caught him. So he did not automatically qualify because it was in the heats, but he did make it through on time. So he was but he was almost donkey of the day because that would have been an all-timer right there because i know he was the favorite in the 400 meters so are you enjoying any of the olympics scott women's volleyball Uh, doing well i actually watched some volleyball yesterday i was watching brazil and russia Mm -hmm. in women's volleyball oh not russia scott the russian olympic committee sorry you know that still has russia in the title so (laughs) i kind of just assume that it's the same thing but anyway i saw brazil won that watching a bit of track and field. Did you see that person in the, I forgot if it was the 1600 meter, but that woman who fell down in one of the heats and no. she still won the heat. No, she like collided with like two other people in the running and she got up after like face planting and she still won the heat. And that's, then she won the gold medal like eight hours later. That's impressive. That is, it was. I, f- I forgot what her name was because she was from some foreign country, but I did see that live. And she just face planted. And I was keeping an eye on the girl in the orange shirt. And I'm looking Who through, was like, it? this This girl in the orange shirt's like closing ground. Like, you know, she might have a scraped kneecap and she's just going through it. I was like, wait a second. She's about to win this thing. And she won the thing. Blood flying everywhere. And yep. Yeah, very but good. She, she fell down and won. 
Very good. Well, guys, a quick reminder, you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. That's kind of what we do around here. Well, Scott, the silly season in the NBA continues. A few more free agent signings yesterday. Kimba Walker signed with the Knicks yesterday. Kind of a prove-it deal. Uh, what, basically $8 million a year. Give or take. Give or take. So... As far as I know, the length has not officially been announced yet, but I have to assume it's a one-year deal. So, Scott, is it time to start saving all my shreds for the ticker tape parade up Fifth Avenue or at Broadway, uh, wherever they go? I would say to pump your pump the brakes a little uh, bit. Uh, come on now. I know Knicks fans were thrilled by with the signing because they think that it's 2017. It's Kemba freaking Kemba, Walker, buddy. Yeah, and Kemba's off an all-star season instead of the worst season of his career by far. I think it's a good signing for the Knicks mostly just because of the fact that they're not paying him that much. If I would have told you, regardless of what season Kemba was coming off of, Kemba Walker signing with your team for X million dollars per year. Right. What's the lowest number that you'd probably think? Like, especially with what's been given out to other guys around the league. 18, 20. Yeah. Probably like 15 to 20, something like that. Yeah. You're paying him eight. So even if Kemba's knees have completely deteriorated, and even if he's not the same guy he used to be, $8 $8 million is a very solid deal for a guy who should be able to at least help you with point guard depth, who I still think at this stage in his career is better than Alfred Payton. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. So I think it was a good signing for the Knicks regardless. Of course, I don't think it's as big of a deal as Knicks fans want it to be because they think of Kemba being this all-star point guard, and I'm not sure if his knees will ever hold up again. But as a whole... I saw on some uh, sites, I believe it was BetMGM, they posted pre-Kemba Walker signing, the Knicks to win the title, 80-1. to Post-Kemba Walker signing, odds to win the title, 80-1. to So, no, I don't <laughs> think that the books have really reacted too much. If you're looking at what the Knicks might do in the offseason, thinking about the, you know, just the conspiracy theories of getting Lillard or getting somebody, which clearly was not going to happen. But they were going for probably DeRozan. Lillard and I don't even know who else they ended up with Kemba and Evan Fournier and they re-signed De- Derek Rose uh, they re-signed Noel they ended up losing Bullock but as a whole I think it was a decent offseason for the Knicks but once again with all the cap space Knicks fans have a really really unrealistic imagination and I think they'll be a playoff team but they're not going to be competing for a title. Maybe so, they'll win two playoff games this time around. So you're saying they were able to keep all their mediocre players from their mediocre team that had a mediocre season in place. Except Reggie Bullock. Except Reggie Bullock, right, but for the most part. I think the Knicks will be somewhere between four and six, unless they get regression, which would cause them to maybe fall to seven or eight. I think they'll get in, but I don't think they're going to win a playoff round, if that's what you were wondering. What do you think? I think they're going straight to the top, buddy. The Nets better watch out. The Nets better watch out. Milwaukee better watch out. You know, you got the Knicks coming for you. You know, I have a hard time disparaging the Knicks too much because, you know, they made us a lot of money over over the uh, course of the basketball season. I give the Knicks props. It's just a matter of I don't exactly know how much you expect one guy with questionable health moving forward to boost the actual upside of your team because you have Kembo's at injury issues. Derrick Rose also stayed relatively healthy last year. Are we sure that you can count on that again? Because I'm not. No, of course not. No, if you if you, we could bet on that, I would absolutely want to want to put some money down on that proposition. I think they'll be fine. I just want to know: Is Kemba Walker rep by the same guy, the the same uh, agent that we had the other day? Uh, Jeff Green. No, 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 no. Remember the the agency where they got who they got the the terrible deal for him? Jeff Green. Yeah, yeah. Who is that agent? Who is his agent? Uh, sh- something Berg. Shirt. Sh- uh... nah, like, he was like. The Glufus Agency, the Gleefus Agency, or whatever it was, I can't remember. Was was it Blumberg? Glumberg? No, I don't think it was a Berg. It wasn't a, I, I'm not even tell- sure. Either way, so that's it. Wasn't that's a great- an insult to the Jewish faith, Scott? That, that he couldn't get a better deal. There's no way that guy was Jewish. I have no idea. But either way, I do kind of wonder what Kemba thinks he's worth if he has a good year. Because he's getting up there in years, and the injury concerns are always going to be there. Right. Let's assume that Kemba isn't an All Star. Well, let's say he averages like 17 points per game, 18 points per game. It has a decent shooting season. Yeah. What would he be worth on the market? Like 17 million tops? I was going to say, yeah, 14, 14 to 17. That's fair. I Sure. If you want to take 8 million to play for the Knicks, have fun. Well, the thing is, 
the Knicks need help on offense. That uh, I don't. I don't. Oh, know the that. signing makes sense for the Knicks. I'm just saying that for Kemba, I feel like other teams would might have offered you eight million that had title aspirations. Right. Maybe. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't hold out, shop him around a little bit more. Maybe. I mean, I'm trying to think of which other point guards are left, and you pretty much only have Reggie Jackson. Yeah, without without looking at my sheet, that, that seems so. That's the one name on the top of my mind. I'm thinking about they've signed everybody else. So, mm-hmm. Scott, let me ask you a question: Is there a more impressive feat than high jumping eight feet? Uh, high jumping nine feet. Ah, <laughs> uh, touche, my friend, touche. I I just I I think that is one of the most incredible accomplishments known to man. I'm sorry, you know when you look at when you walk in your house and look at a, and look at a doorway, and realize most houses you're going to have a seven or a seven and a half foot doorway, and I then, could jump over that. Like that's the thought and process. And then put yeah, then put another mind. six inches to a foot on that. That's absolutely, it's incredible. And I, I don't know. I, I just don't think I just don't think there's a much more impressive physical feat than jumping two feet above your head. That's that's some hops right there, Scott. I definitely agree with that. I'm kind of curious what the segue was, unless you were watching high jump stuff yesterday and you decided to talk about it. That's no, that's exactly what I was. That's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> I was just, it was just on my mind, you know. And people think they can do that. That's that's the most incredible thing. Like, you watch these guys, and well, you know, I could be, able, I could do that if I had enough practice. I ever tell you about the time my 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 son insisted that he could uh, he could long jump five yards. I'm assuming that did not go well for him. It did not. We were sitting around in the in the basement. He was over there with a buddy of his, and they're going back and forth. And he says, oh, "I could absolutely do that." So they have they make a bet on it. So we packed up the car right then, went down to the high school field about 10:30 at night, and we went to the yard marks. And I I have to tell you, I thought for a minute he could do it. I'm like, well, you might have a shot. And then I got down to the field and saw how far five yards was. Like you have no shot. You have no shot at doing this. And he did not. Spoiler alert, he did not have a shot at doing that. So damn shame. I know, I, Olympic I know it's going to, it's going to be a shocker to you. My son is not exactly a burner. I know I know you'd think he'd be like, you know, six four and a sprinter, and that is that is not the case at all. But he's got the football genes from you. Yes, he yes, he was he was able to be a good football player, but they didn't uh, they didn't ask him to sprint much. So Scott, Washington football team is going to do the same thing the Kansas City Chiefs did before, I think, last season, maybe 2019. They're banning fans from using face paint and Native American headdresses. Is this something that the writing was on the wall that here in here in 2021 it just has to be done? Is it are we is it dumb that we're even asking this question? Or is it all in good fun and you should let the fans express themselves? Where do you come down on this? Well, truth is, I think with the football team, it makes more sense for Kansas City to tell their team to not their fans to not do it as opposed to Washington football team. Because last time I checked, the Washington football team doesn't have any Native American ties to the name. Right. You change the name. So I don't know why you would need Native American face paint unless you were just trying to show support for the old name. Right. There's no point. Like you still have the Chiefs. You still have the Braves. You have a couple of teams there where you can make an argument that fans would still wear some type of Native American stuff because that's still the team name. Like if you go to see the Florida State Seminoles play in college football, right. and maybe you'd wear a headdress or something. Washington football team sounds like the most American name possible. Why would you wear a headdress to one of those games? I don't know. You should wear like a Capitol Dome or something on your head, like a dome head. should wear that. Just really anything. Just I don't really – I understand why they felt the need to do it, but – are fans really still going to be bringing stuff involving the old team name unless they want to make a political statement? Absolutely. There are There is a huge group of fans that see it in completely political terms. They think it's yeah. all political correctness run amok. That's I, the only people that I think this type of law is applying to. Yeah. My, you know, here's where I come down on that, Scott. It's not for me to decide. I have no Native American heritage in me whatsoever. I have no dog in this fight at all. I think we should listen to the voices of Native Americans and pretty much let that be our guidance. And of course, I think the majority of them are pretty offended, but you certainly have a, a, a certain percentage that they see no offense at all. And they, they, you know, they feel that it's honoring or whatever. So do you, do you have feelings in this? Or do you feel like it's As your whole- place to judge? I don't really have much of a say because there's no 
professional team named after Jewish people. Right. So I don't really have a say in this, but if they did, I can understand why people would be upset. Like, I'm trying to imagine if you had a mascot of just like a really, really religious rabbi. And I'm thinking, like, I'm assuming some of my friends would be upset by that. The I Ohio, wouldn't care. The but Ohio sure Oy, would be. The Ohio Oyves or something like that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you would have a stereotypical type of thing for really any type of group, whether it's ethnicity or whether it's actually just even religion or in general, I can understand why people would be upset. Like, if you had a, a type of team that was named the Christ and you had a mascot of Jesus, I think a lot of people wouldn't take it too well. You know? Like, I feel like if you. Looking at you, Notre to, Dame. That, I'm just saying. I think you would agree. Well, they have a leprechaun. So that's a separate story. Well, if they've got touchdown Jesus in the in the south end zone, my correct. friend. But I'm saying I think you would agree that a lot of people don't who have, don't have an issue with it can't really feel empathy because they can't relate to it. <laughs> Agreed. I think if they tried to, they would understand why it's a little bit messed up. I would also maybe try to walk a fine line here and say there's a difference between Redskins and Chiefs because there Red, definitely is. Redskins is more of a slur. You know, I don't think there was ever a tribe called the Redskins. No, no, they, it was always used in disparaging terms. So, of course. yeah, that's it's it's time. I mean, it's. I mean, I was trying to figure out a comparison. Do you think my comparison's kind of the only one you can possibly make it to try to cause people to feel more empathy towards Native Americans? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you know, you you had a team called the Jersey Jews. You know, you'd be yeah, okay. It's not ideal, but. You can't you can't use other slurs. You couldn't just drop yeah. other slurs for Jewish people and and say yeah that's fine. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think if you plugged in any other um, religion, ethnic minority, right there, it, yeah. it wouldn't play. So I don't know. I agree. You know, it's certainly like we've given the Indians a great deal up to this point. So mm -hmm. Scott, speaking of great contracts, uh, Anthony Rendon head out from the Angels. Speaking of the Washington teams. Well, this is part two of a discussion that we had about a week ago <laughs> involving the other player who might have the worst contract in all of sports, yep. his former teammate. So now, well, the other one's out for the year because Rendon had hip had season-ending hip surgery. It's the second year of a seven-year, $245 million contract. Uh, uh, so uh. the question that I have for you isn't about how bad the contract is because that's obvious. It's a game of which contracts work, Strasburg or Rendon? Okay, well, let's break it down. First of all, Rendon is 31. Uh, I'm guessing Strasburg is going to be pretty close to the same, wouldn't you say? I, I might assume he's a little bit younger. He's, 30, he's 33, it, sir. Never mind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's he's been he came up young. He's been he's been in the league forever. That's so, why I assume to be younger because I figured he came up younger. Yep. Yep. So. You know, he's making seven years, 245. I'm picking Strasburg as the worst one, but that's just me personally. Yeah, it is because, you know, Rendon's an, an everyday guy. Yeah. And I think you're going to be able to get more games out of him before he gets hurt. But if Steven Strasburg comes out and gets hurt halfway through the season, you've got him for, you know, 16 starts or whatever. Woohoo! There's a deal. So like he's not even in the locker room for half the appearances if he's just injured. Right. So he's right. providing nothing. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, the Strasburg deal. Plus, he's a lot more injury-prone than Rendon is. Correct. And he's also, a, I, I can't say the season-ending hip surgery is not serious, but you're comparing that to, like, neck issues and arm issues, and Strasburg's just had a lot of issues all over his body. Yeah, he he, abso he absolutely has. So, I don't know, which who would you rather have on your team if, if, you, if they were guaranteed to be healthy? Who would you rather? Strasburg if they're healthy. Really? I think Strasburg, when healthy, is a top 10 pitcher in baseball. So if they were healthy, I would take Strasburg. Okay. I'm not sure Strasburg's ever been a top 10 page pitcher in baseball. For, uh, I think p pitching numbers alone in the playoffs, he's an all-time playoff performer. Not, not as many starts as other guys, but he has the World Series MVP, and he also has one of the best postseason ERAs of all time. I take Strasburg. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winers? What's winners and winners? Exactly. So what do you tell them? 
I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, 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 but they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over. But these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and winners? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwinners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see, that wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure, you're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't. I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them, oh man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. Welcome back to the second half of Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour. We'll give you the winners. And Scott, man, we've got a winner tonight. It is back to the grind, everybody. Really brief interlude of NFL football, the Hall of Fame game, as the Pittsburgh Steelers and Dallas Cowboys square right off. Scott, who we've got playing quarterback here? Is it going to be... Dak Prescott and Big Ben going at it, just slinging it down the field the entire first half? Maybe if you're playing Madden in the middle of the game, but not for this one because you got a bunch of backups behind the center. A bunch Mason of Rudolph. backups, yep. Yeah, you got Mason Rudolph starting for Pittsburgh. That's a given. They've already announced that. Then you're supposed to see some Dwayne Haskins. Remember him? He's going to be the second guy. And then you have Josh Dobbs, who somehow is still in the league as the third-string quarterback. As for Dallas, we don't exactly know who's going to be starting. We do know that Dak Prescott will not be playing in this game. It's either going to be Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert. I know two thrilling options, but bear with me. Then as the third string quarterback, you have Cowboys regular season legend, Ben DiNucci. So you got yourself really a lot of talented quarterbacks. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was a, didn't, didn't Ben DiNucci do run around Sue? No, nope. could be. No, nope. that was. Don't think uh, so. <laughs> that was Dion Demucci. Sorry, very close. Close enough. So the way that it's going to set up, or at least what Tomlin has said, said he's going to start with Rudolph and Haskins are going to play in the first half, and then Scott Josh Dobbs is going to have the entire second half to himself. Would you agree, Rudolph and Haskins quarter apiece? Uh, it looks like Rudolph for a quarter and a half, at least according to according to Tomlin, that Haskins is just going to get a, a, a couple series at the end of the uh, second quarter. That's how you know you're bad, when you're getting a couple of series in the second quarter and then you're not playing any of the second half. That's how you know you got problems. I don't know, Dwayne. We'll uh, see if we got a spot. We could maybe plug you in. It's we'll let you take the kneel down to end the, to end the second quarter. Um, You know, in these games... Scott, there's a pretty good trend in this game. And, you know, we want to talk about the, the sides, talk about the total. And, you know, it's an NFL game. So what do you figure the total is at, Scott? I know it's early in the preseason, so it's probably not going to be 48 or 50. But Yeah, so. we mentioned the bad quarterback play. I know mm -hmm. if you bet the NFL regular season, you'd probably assume the total was 43, yeah. 42, yeah, maybe 40, 42 and a half. Yeah, something something around there, Scott. That's that's a really low total in the NFL these days. It's a passing league. I don't know if you heard that or not. But I've seen lower. It's been Mostly a lot. in this game, but I've lot. seen lower. So can I interest you in the Denver Broncos playing with a single wave formation? <laughs> that's kind of what it's going to remind me of. Scott, the total in this one, it opened up 34. And people said... Oh, no, 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 no. That's way too high. It has now been pounded down to 33. 
And Scott, there's a pretty good body of evidence uh, to support that proposition because since 2010, they've played this game eight times. Uh, three of them were canceled, by the way. And the under in those eight games has cashed six times. Scott, in those six games where it went under, what would you guess the average total points scored would be? I'd have to assume, but since the NFL, you get a couple of fluky touchdowns every now and then. Sure. So we're in the low 30s. Yeah, you, you'd think so. Maybe since we know it's low scoring, we're already kind of giving it away. You figure, well, maybe they're scoring 30, 31 points, something like that. Scott, can I interest you in six games that average 23 and a quarter points? By one team? Yikes. Yeah, no, by both teams. Those, uh, by the way, the average closing line has for that game has been 35.06. So if you do some quick math here, you see that it's the total usually comes in about 12 points below these established totals. So Translation, if you're trying to watch this game, I suggest having another screen open. Ridlin. Need some Ridlin or Adderall, Scott. That's, that's what I'm going to suggest if you want to stay awake for this one because, you know, the first half may resemble football. The second half, it's going to be it's going to be ugly, my friend. It'll it, resemble football, just some peewee level. Just but you'll not see some good football. football. Yes, that's absolutely true. So, you know, just for fun, Scott, what do, what do you uh, predict for the final score? I like the under, obviously, okay. because I know I said low 30s. I knew the answer was in the 20s. I was just playing along for the fun. I'm going 17-10 Steelers. I, at the end of the day, Pittsburgh seems to be, I don't want to say motivated because Tomlin's historically awful when it comes to covering numbers in the preseason. But Pittsburgh has a lot of young guys fighting for roster spots, and it seems through camp that they are kind of taking this game a little bit seriously. It seems like the Cowboys have dealt with injury issues all training camp long, and then McCarthy, I don't want to say he's going to mail it in, but doesn't that seem like the vibe you're getting from Cowboys camp is that they have a game to play, and they're not exactly thrilled about playing it. Yeah, it's supposed to be kind of an honor to play in the Hall of Fame game, right? Everybody's excited. That's reports from the Cowboys, though. A lot of injuries, and that's kind of the main issue with preseason, why you have two schools of thought on whether or not you should play the starters at all or whether you shouldn't because one injury, see you later. But Cowboys have had injury issues all camp, and McCarthy seems like he's going to wrap everybody in duct tape and try to play 60 minutes. Is that fair? Yeah, it is because he's had a horrible uh, off, he's had a horrible training camp so far as far as injuries go, and they still don't yeah. have they still don't have Dak right. Scott, is he going to be ready for the season? I'm assuming so. I heard that the arm soreness was relatively mild, but it's definitely not a good sign. Right. I have to assume the Cowboys will be running draws and try not to get killed out there. Where Pittsburgh might have a little chip. Any interest in threading the needle on this one? What do you think the first half total on this is? 17? I think it'll be a little bit higher. I, I think you'll probably see a second half total of around 13 to 14, if I had to guess. Yeah, I, what think, do you think? I think that's right. I'm, I'm just thinking about trying to thread the needle here, playing first half over, second half under. Well, I'm saying if the if the full game total is 33 and you're expecting the second half total to be around 13 and a half or whatever, I'm assuming the first half might be 19 and a half. Boy, that seems high. You have a nineteen F, thirteen F chop hypothetically. Yeah, if it's if it's if it's any if it's anything over seventeen, I gotta play I gotta play both halves under. I just don't see it. I agree. I know, I'm assuming I, it'll I, be I, below seventeen, wouldn't you agree? I would uh, for the first half? I mean it'd have to be above seventeen. Above yeah, half. I would think I would think it would almost have to be. Um, I mean, you know the first half usually, especially in these type of games, you might see a little bit more uh or a higher number on first half because second half is just supposed to be hideous. Well, if you're setting it at 33, you need it above 17 in the first half. I will say this at those the six 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 games of the eight that have hit the under, the uh, average second half score has been 12 and a half points. And here's the fun fact: a couple of those must have been pretty substantial because four of those six games they scored 10 or less in the second half. Yep. Yikes! Hope you like punting. It's not good. Do you so like if you can bet on the game, I'd look at Steelers full game. Steelers first half, because I actually think Rudolph is a much better quarterback than everyone else in the actual game. Mm -hmm. Second half under, if you can find a live bet under on a maybe an early touchdown in the first quarter. Other than that, though, if you're betting drives, punts, usually a pretty good way to go. Yeah, over under on over under on punts is, is also very solid. I, I totally agree with that. And are either one of these teams, who's the bigger threat to actually have a good season this year? It's the Cowboys because of the division they play in. 
Think you can so? go into Pittsburgh and just look at them and say, let let's assume, let's be generous. Let's say Pittsburgh goes nine and eight. We do, don't think they're going over five hundred. Do you let's think? Do you think that's being? Do you think that's being generous? They're over their win total. That's my version of generous. Okay. All right. Good enough. That's still good enough for third, right? Sure. I would think the so. The Browns and the Ravens are finishing ahead of them. Mm-hmm. I would the think. Cowboys, on the other hand, could go nine and eight, and they could win the division by two games. Yep. Yep. That's so the answer true. is Dallas because they have a better chance to make the playoffs. All right. Fair enough. So, so if this game if this game happens in week seven, everybody's at full strength. What's the spread? Who wins? Uh, I think it depends home or road because the Cowboys, of course, play a lot better in the dome than as opposed to in Heinz Field. Okay. Now everybody, Heinz Field is a hard place to play. The wind, the winds are nuts. I think either way, yeah. I think it would be between one and three either way. Okay. I think whichever team was the home team would be favored by less than a field goal. All right, fair enough. That's 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 solid. I think that's probably legit. And what and what do you think the total on this one is? Forty two. If they were playing a legitimate, yeah, regular season game, I'd say higher because the Cowboys' defense is atrocious. I'd probably go like forty four. Okay. Four and a half. All right. You? Uh, I yeah, I wouldn't be too excited about watching the first string Pittsburgh offense play against the first string Dallas defense. That's going to be a uh, kind of a war of attrition right there. I don't like I don't like either one of those units at all. You have the stoppable force versus the movable object. Yes. You have to see who's going to win. Abs- absolutely true. Does Roethlisberger play the whole season? No. I We've seen him get injured before. I don't think he's going to get benched because it's a pretty bad look if his final season is you tossing a legend to the side, even if he clearly deserves to be tossed to the side. I don't see that happening. I personally think he's going to go down with the ship, but I do believe he's going to get injured. Okay. You? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's hard to pick against him getting injured, you know, cause he's, um, you think he'd get benched? Checks. No, Assuming no. the team starts no. off terribly. No, I don't think he's getting benched. No, not a chance. Not, a, I mean, he would have to be utterly atrocious. I think they give him, a, I think they give him a half a season minimum, regardless of how bad he is. I agree. And you know, if you're still in the hunt, He's just been awful, maybe, but yeah, that's you don't you don't I think I think Pittsburgh almost eats the season not to put Ben on the bench. That's the, Pittsburgh would have been better off not bringing him back, but because of the loyalty angle for bringing him back in the first place, even with the pay cut that he took, he's I don't think he's good enough to be a starting quarterback in the league anymore. No, I agree. Yeah, not so. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's gonna have a long year. They're the ant. They're the anti New England. Where they they just, really are the anti-New England. Whether it come, well, New England with coaches is basically the same, but in general with the roster moves, they keep everybody mm-hmm. for way too long. Yep. Yep. Absolutely true. Absolutely yep. true. And that's, for a fan, it's, I guess that's kind of cool. I mean, you get to, you know, you don't have to watch Ben lace them up for, the, uh, for, for somebody else. But as a fan who wants to see your team win you realize that's probably not the best strategy. You know, I, I think you would hate seeing Big Ben on another team unless he was the quarterback for Baltimore because suddenly you have a better chance to beat Baltimore. Wow. Just throwing it out there, you know. Shots fired. Am I wrong? No, no. That's, uh, it sounds harsh, but it's just a fact. I know Pittsburgh fans want to hold out hope for their veteran guy, but I don't see it. All right. Yeah, very, very good. Maybe you and I will do some over-under totals on Roethlisberger as the season gets closer, and we'll see what he looks like. But I've just – I honestly, I haven't been a big Ben fan for about three or four years now. I like the over and completions for his games because he'll throw the ball three yards at a time. Yeah, that's 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 very true. All right, so, yeah, we got we got football, everybody, so get excited. I know, I, I know I'm know, i pretty I'm pretty stoked, Scott. Are you pretty stoked? You didn't say your score, by the way. I said 17-10 Pittsburgh. Oh, um, 17-10 Pittsburgh. I'll go I'll go 13-10. I don't think they punch in two touchdowns. I'll go, I'll go 13-10. Either way, it means we like the under Pittsburgh and some really hideous football. Hideous, hideous football, and I'll watch every minute of it. I guarantee it. All right, guys, quick reminder that you, of course, are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour. We'll give you the winners, and that's what we're right in the middle of doing right now, Scott. So it is not football season yet. We've still got a full slate of Major League Baseball. Of course, a lot of folks won't get the show until after some of these games have been played. It's Wednesday, or excuse me, it's Thursday, of course. It's the second second getaway day. And... By the way, we're distributed all over the place now, Scott. You know, of course, we do this on the radio. We distribute it to radio stations. 
We have a simulcast on the YouTube, well, delayed simulcast on the YouTube. And we're, of course, on all the major uh, podcast platforms as well. You can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Spreaker, Anchor, all that good stuff. So make sure wherever, wherever, wherever podcasts are sold, make sure you stop by and check us out. If you're on the go, you can't listen to us on the radio, computer, whatever. You can still find us in podcast form. I just wanted to put that out there, Scott. I don't blame you for putting it out there. All right, fair enough. So let's take a look and see. Uh, here's some of the games we won't be talking about. The Mets and the Marlins, the Cubs and the Rockies, the Giants and the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Phillies and the Washington Nationals. So, Scott, that leaves us with a battle there in the NL Central as the Pittsburgh Pirates take on the Cincinnati Reds. Reds behind Sonny Gray will go against Will Crow and the Buckos. This game opened up. At Cincinnati minus 215, people have been uh, pounding the red, Scott, and is now pretty much 235 to 240 across the board. Nine is the total, and that has gone up as it is nine and a half across the board, slightly juiced to the under. So, Will Crow, Scott, he kicked our butt. And I say our, I mean me and my premium clients. We faded him last time, and he made me look silly. Does that happen again? I mean, I'm, I know somebody else will make me look silly. That's that's really not the question. Will it be Will Crow? Yeah, Crow's yeah, been good lately. I'll give him props. He had the great performance against Philly in his last start. He's given up two earned runs in, I believe, four of the last five. So he's been sharp. However, you know I mentioned how Milwaukee playing against Pittsburgh tends to cover on the run line when they win? Right. So the Reds have played against the Pirates six times this season. They've won five of them, each of them by at least two runs. So we have another run line trend here where if the Reds win, they tend to kill this team. I'm going on the run line. I just think Cincinnati is the much better team. Offensively, we know that this team can mash, especially at home. Pittsburgh could be playing in a Little League park. They still would score maybe four runs tops. I'll go Cincinnati run line. You? I like Cincinnati on the run line as well. I'm not making any kind of an official play for my premium subscribers or anything like that because Pittsburgh has kicked our butt, I want to say, three times in the last 10 days. So I've got a mixed bag with Pittsburgh this season. Yeah, well, as t- a team as bad as they are, it shouldn't be a mixed bag. We should we should be way up, but they can last, uh, pick their spots. Just, by the way, the, the two-run starting to throw up, the two-run win was game one between these two teams. Ever since then, the Reds have won the other four games by at least four runs. Three times they've won by at least seven runs. So these games are not close. So in other words, they make them Cincinnati bullpen proof. Yes, they do. Because Which is the most important thing to ha- that you can have when you take the Reds on the run one. I, I, I find it incredible that a major league bullpen still has a home ERA of 5.97. That's remember the Orioles bullpen last year. Yes, yes, that might have been worse. And the Maybe. the Nationals were the same way. Yes, not good at not good at all. So, yeah, hang on to hang on to your hats if you got the Reds on the run line there because they may have they may have a seven two lead in the seventh inning and you're you're just going to be praying to yourself. Don't be on call the cops. Don't be on call the cops. Don't be on call the cops. There will be a guy on base in the top of the ninth, and you're probably going to be sweating it out. Yes. Yes, I, I will make a prediction that says the run to beat us will be at the plate, at least. That's fair. Okay, good enough. Now, whether the Cincinnati bullpen does their thing or not, that remains to be seen. So, all right, Scott. So, we've we've talked about that exciting game. Ooh, how about a couple of guys with French names, huh? Tuki Toussaint against Wade LeBlanc. Going uh, Atlanta and St. Louis, Wade LeBlanc got traded to the St. Louis Cardinals. Man, by the way, side note on the Cardinals, is that a team getting ready to make a run or not? Man, pick up and up John Lester and Wade LeBlanc. Somebody clear the, somebody clear the trophy cabinet, man. They are headed to the well, World how Series. How did Lester do again? First six guys got on base? He did not do well. I think. He did not. He did not do well in his, in his new home there. I'm shocked. Shocked, I say. But you know who's been good? Well, he wasn't good his last time, Scott. But you know who's been good since he got since he came back? He's been, I hate to say it, it's been Tuki Toussaint. Johnny Cueto Jr. Johnny Cueto Jr. 
So if you've watched him pitch, you know why I say that. He yeah. really reminds me of a young Johnny Quick. He's got a lot of uh, a lot of extra motion, shall we say? Yep. Mm-hmm. So who do you like in this one, Scotty? I'm going with the Braves. They finally broke their streak of alternating wins and losses for the longest streak in the history of Major League Baseball. Right. But LeBlanc, we know, is a guy who pitches to a lot of contact. Usually soft contact is why he's still in the league. Atlanta's got a lot of guys who can make a lot of power contact. They make a lot of hard contact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at Freeman. Riley's been nuts lately. Swanson's been pretty good. Solaire's been good for Atlanta, which I'm sure annoys you, but he's been good for Atlanta. Tucson, I think, is good. And St. Louis offensively is worse at home than they are on the road. This team cannot hit. So if you're looking at a matchup here where I think, well, I think Tucson's the better pitcher, I think Atlanta's the better offense. I will concede that St. Louis has a better bullpen, but I'm going with Atlanta because I think they're just better in two of the three areas. Yeah, and you're, and you're, you're getting a pretty good price on them too because this game, it actually spun around. It opened as, as St. Louis is the favorite, minus 109, small favorite, but it is now up to Atlanta as about a minus 117, 120 favorite. So I think that number will continue to go in the Atlanta direction as people look up and go, oh, wait a minute, Tuki Toussaint doesn't suck this year? That's weird. So what are we going to see out of Tuki Toussaint, Scott? Are we going to see the pitcher that he was his first two starts, or are we going to see the pitcher that he was his last start when he got absolutely hammered? I'll give him six innings, two runs. Okay. All right. Well, very good. You? you uh, I'm hoping you're right. I'm, I'm, I think that sounds right. But I will mention that even though he gave up, what, six earned runs last time, still won the game. Yep. So the Atlanta Braves can still bop the ball even without Acuna. I'm not going to guess what LeBlanc's numbers are going to be, but I do think Toussaint pitches well. Okay. Yeah, I am I'm thinking that the, the pens could get involved in this one fairly soon. Yeah, that's fair. All right, well, we're going to skip Boston and Detroit and the Angels in Texas. Ooh, ooh, two games I would be interested in. But let's move on to your New York Yankees, Scott, as they play host to the Seattle Mariners. Tyler Anderson goes for the M's against uh, Nestor Cortez. Uh, the much-rumored Nestor Cortez is finally going to make his start for the Yankees. As again, the Yankees are massive favorites in this one. Somewhere around, we've got we got two numbers, Scott. Two different books. One of them is minus two thirty. One of them is minus one ninety. Ten is the total at one nine and a half. Juiced is on to the under is the other side. So who we got here, my friend? Is it are we paying that Yankees tax? What are we doing? I think you are paying the Yankees tax, but I kind of understand it because the Yankees offensively over the last two games have been really good. Then you remember they were playing Baltimore. So then you kind of throw it right out the window, don't you? Kind of, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, Matt Harvey was absolutely dealing for three innings. Looked really, really good. And he gave up gave up the bloop single there to judge. And I think yeah. that, that made all the difference in the world. It just it seemed like the wheels came off. Like he just... Bullpen came in. Everything blew up really, really quickly. But Seattle won two out of three against Tampa. So, you know, they had a very good series there in the trop. The cooch. Uh, Seattle. The cooch. Yeah. Back the cooch. Seattle's a team that you look at on paper and you don't know how they're good, but they're somehow good. Yeah. Having said that, they have absolutely no closer since they traded Graveman, which is a serious problem. Yes. I believe we mentioned I think the that. Yankees on the money line makes sense. I can't lay 230. I think 190 is tempting. You? No. no. I, I know you're going to go Seattle anyway, but I, I like I, I, Well, in real life, I'm going to go pass. But That's definitely a fair option. Me too. Looking at the, uh, you know, are you, what do you, what's your read on Cortez? He's made, he's made three starts this season. He don't go long. If you're lucky, you get five innings out of him. But he's only given up. He's only given up two earned runs in 13 innings. Scott, is he? Is he the he's real good. deal? He's good. He just he just goes no length whatsoever. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, he doesn't walk anybody. He doesn't strike anybody out. So yeah, yeah he's probably throwing a lot of pitches, a lot of foul balls. Are you a Tyler Anderson guy? Mm. I actually kind of like him a little I, bit. I don't. I don't hate him. I. I, I don't. I don't hate him. He was. Isn't uh, it the rule of Pittsburgh if you take the guy out of the terrible team they usually play a little bit better? Looking at you, Garrett Cole. Yeah, for Pittsburgh. That's, yeah. That seems to happen more often than not. I think this could be surprisingly close. I've I've got to uh you know, I don't want to get the I don't want to get the Seattle pen involved. Give me a, a little little sprinkle on Seattle first five. Okay. I'll maybe take I'll do, maybe take him plus a half for 
plus 130 or something like that. Fair enough. Um, other than that, though, looking at the rest of the card, you have any thoughts on the uh, Cleveland-Toronto game? You know I do, Scott. It's Ross Stripling and, and Tristan McKenzie. How could I How could I st step away from that, my friend, huh? Toronto seems to score all the runs against Cleveland in the first five innings and then just kicks it into autopilot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is... You've got a case here of two pitchers who have really stunk up the joint over their last three starts. Tristan McKenzie, eight three six ERA over his last three. Ross Stripling, after pretty good start. I mean, not bad. Looked like a pretty solid three four type guy. He has been awful lately. Uh, a seven six zero ERA over his last three starts. Five seven one ERA at home. Tristan McKenzie, not to be outdone. Six seven five ERA on the road. Is I'm the gonna, over too easy here? Yeah, I think that's the. I think that's exactly the question. Is it's it's sitting at where where are we at here? I didn't uh, I didn't break down the numbers, but it is ten for the total, and of course Toronto, as you might expect, is a prohibitive favorite somewhere around minus one ninety. Uh, I have no desire to get involved at that kind of price, but I think you've either got to play. Toronto team total over five and a half, or you play the under, or, or play the over ten. Take your pick. I see a couple nine and a halfs. I'll go over to nine and a half. You find a nine, you find a nine and a half out there. I'll yeah, I see a couple nine and a halfs. I'll yeah. go with the over. Okay. Yeah, if you can still find, you can still find a nine and a half. Yeah, there are a couple available at some. Oh, uh, DraftKings has nine and a half right now. Yep, it's a little bit juice to the over, which of course makes sense. But I don't think you'll see many nine and a halfs when first pitch takes place. No, I don't either. So yeah, if you can. When you when you hear this, whenever that is, and you can get nine and a half, I'd grab it because I think I think that's a solid play. You get you get uh, two pitching, two starters pitching, two starting pitchers that have really struggled. And, and Toronto's bullpen also stinks. Yep, absolutely true. So yeah, take that one there. All right, Scott. Is well, it we, time? It is time where we have reached that point in the show where we like to share our favorite play of the day. We put our heads together. We come up with one winner, Scott. If you had to bet it all, if you had to throw all your chips in the middle of the pot and hit the river, this would be the play that we would advise you to play. It is time, once again, put on your overalls, climb on board your John Deere, and fire that baby up, because it is time for Bet the Farm. All right, Scott, we did have a bet the farm play yesterday. How did that go? We had the Angels on the first five run line, and they won two to nothing. How about that? All righty, very good. That is our official victory music for Bet the Farm. A little picking and grinning for you guys. So, Scott, Let's see what we've got cooked up for today, shall we? See if we can keep our hot streak going. Oh, how could we lose? We're going to bet on the Royals. Woohoo! We're going to take your Kansas City Royals team total over three and a half. That's minus 110 right now at BetMGM, by the way. Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel starts for the White Sox, Scott. Speaking of struggling lately, this guy has been doing plenty of that. Just 11 in the third innings. Six home runs allowed. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't get to the sneeze button fast enough. Six earned. Six home runs allowed. Nine earned runs total. Well, I guess you could say there's not many guys on base, huh? That's something. He's made one start against Kansas City this season. It didn't go well. Six innings pitched. Three home runs. Uh, four earned runs total. That's a six o o ERA if you're scoring at home. And the Royals, we're going to call them the mini White Sox because they are beaten up on lefties, Scott. They are 7-0 in their last seven games against left-handed starters. By the way, they hit four home runs yesterday. Sal Perez is hotter than a firecracker. Still, we're going to take the Kansas City Royals. Team total over three and a half. We don't want their bullpen involved. We don't do any of that. We're just taking the Royals to score some runs. And that is yep. our bet the farm play. Mm-hmm. Keuchel pitches the contact. We think they can go yard a couple times. There you go. It's just as simple as that. So we appreciate you guys listening, watching, tuning in today, whatever you did. Make sure you do it again tomorrow. Tell your friends because we do it every day here on Winners and Winers Radio. You guys have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.